for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk with Lindsey Jones, senior NFL writer for The Athletic, about Russell Wilson's exit from Seattle to the Denver Broncos. Russell Wilson leaves behind a huge legacy in Denver, but he now enters one of the most powerful divisions the NFL has seen in a generation. Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, and Derek Carr will be the quarterbacks of a very stacked AFC West entering 2022. We can talk about that, as well as some of the great matchups we'll see this season around the NFL. All things we can talk about with Lindsey Jones, who joins me next. Today is Monday, March 14th. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the update, Lindsey Jones. She covers the NFL for The Athletic, and she's based out of Denver, which is why we've got her on talking Russell Wilson, the Denver Bronco. Lindsey, how did you take this one in? And and being that I'm here in San Francisco, I'm seeing a lot of uh, 49er fans fist pumping, clapping into the air, saying they're excited Russell Wilson's gone. You guys are stoked that he's in Denver, I imagine. Uh, What's been the vibe out there? How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, yeah, I mean, it's this is the type of trade that completely changes the complexion of two different divisions, right? I mean, this is a, uh, you know, landscape altering move. Not to say that this automatically makes the Broncos the favorite in the AFC West because Patrick Mahomes still exists and Justin <laughs> Herbert exists, and it's going to be a really, really competitive division, much in the way that the NFC West has been in recent years. But it takes the Broncos from a team that's been largely irrelevant since Peyton Manning retired six years ago now at this point and uh, makes them a contender. And that is really all Broncos fans have wanted is exciting football, competitive football, and a reason to believe that some Someday they're going to beat the Chiefs again. Was the timing of the trade going down, and when it went down uh, early last week, it was right after you know the news was pouring in. It was like the levy broke on the Aaron Rodgers news, and then immediately the Broncos agreed to terms with the Seattle Seahawks. And I think a lot of people, because of, of how things have been reported with Aaron Rodgers, expected that to be the most likely landing spot for him and maybe Devontae Adams if if Rodgers were to, uh, to exit Green Bay. That Aaron Rodgers news comes down, then the Russell Wilson news comes down, and we find out that the Broncos weren't all that in on Aaron Rodgers. Is that the vibe you got? Is that the news you got? What, what was going on there with the Aaron Rodgers situation? Everybody here was so focused on Aaron Rodgers. And like, I guess kudos to George Payton and Nathaniel Hackett for keeping the Russell Wilson interest so much uh, on the back, you know, on the down low. I mean, that it, it just wasn't something that people here were really discussing. And there were just so many reasons that the Aaron Rodgers stuff would make sense, most notably Nathaniel Hackett being here, which makes me think that you know, while it is dangerous to assume that any of us know what Aaron Rodgers is thinking about anything, but it leads me to think that Hackett had a pretty good insight into what was going to happen there and how realistic it was, you know, getting Rodgers, right? It, if they thought that there was a real chance that Rodgers was going to say, I don't want to play in Green Bay, I want to move, I think they would have been all in. And I think they would have... um certainly been in that conversation. And look, if, if Rogers would have changed his mind a couple days ago or, you know, really had been, you know, leaning towards leaving, you know, I think the Broncos would have made a serious offer there. But, you know, I think they had a pretty good idea that Rogers wasn't going to be available by a trade. And they went and got the, I guess, the next best thing. Or, you know, I think the way that they'll probably spin it now is a better thing because of age and, you know, all of those sorts of things. Because, you know, Russell Wilson is what, five Five years younger, I believe, than than Aaron Rodgers. So very clearly, they knew that they had to make a major move at quarterback. They couldn't just keep living in this pool of 
I don't even know the right word to describe the, the quarterback pool, but it's just been this stagnant pool or this, yeah, uh, I mean, this waiting this, pool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, they haven't been in the, the elite quarterback market. You know, they, it's been year after year with Trevor Simeon and Case Keenum and Joe Flacco and Teddy Bridgewater. And they blew it with a first round pick when they drafted Paxton Lynch. Drew Locke is a second round pick. Didn't work out for a number of reasons. And, you know, they had to get you, you look around the rest of the league and you see the teams that are competitive year in, year out. They have the elite quarterbacks and they're the teams that are aggressive and going after it. Some of those teams have hit on the the rookie, obviously, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, those type of guys. But, you know, you look and see what the past two Super Bowl winners did and they went out and they got like the top free agent or veteran quarterback who was available that year. The Bucks were able to do it uh, as on the free agent market, which was nice for them financially. Um, and the, the, the Rams had to go out and spend a lot to get Matthew Stafford, but it paid off. So what it told me was that, you know, George Payton had been working really, really hard at this. Sure, the package is a lot, you know, two first round picks, two second round picks, you know, that's a lot to give up, right? And the fact that they're probably gonna have to pay Russell Wilson as well, Maybe not this offseason, but at some point, probably in the not too distant future, they're probably going to have to pay him a top of market quarterback deal. That's a lot, but they had to do something. They couldn't just keep living in this, you know, bottom of the AFC West, not able to compete in, in your own division because you don't have a quarterback. They just couldn't keep living there. He's a game-changing type of quarterback, obviously. And what's interesting about the Aaron Rodgers side of things, and I thought about this in relation to when Peyton Manning showed up there, they knew that when they were getting Peyton Manning, it was going to be his last hurrah. He was showing up to, to make a couple of Super Bowl runs, and he did, and he gets a win, and then and then calls it a career. But I felt like the same sort of thing would have happened had they gotten Aaron Rodgers. You might go to a Super Bowl, you might win one, but then in five years, you could be looking around going, okay, now we still need another quarterback. Russell Wilson sort of acts as a... a an extender as long as you go out and you, you sign him to a longer term deal I think after these next couple of years and maybe next offseason is when they do that they extend him but you may be looking at five I don't know he'll be 34 this year he he's I think on record saying he wants to play till he's he's near 45 the Tom Brady situation um, I don't know if he's got that much in him but five years is, is a pretty good stint to have a quarterback who's an elite quarterback and a game-changing quarterback yeah, I mean, it's the same kind of calculus that the Rams had last year when they tried it for Matthew Stafford, who's similar age, right, as, as Russell Wilson, because I think, you know, Russell's college career was a little bit longer, Stafford's was shorter. But yeah, you're looking at that as like, yes, at some point, we're going to have to extend him, but this is five plus years. And look, the, the Broncos have been living in quarterback hell for five years. If they get five good years, a couple division titles, playoff runs, those sorts of things, it absolutely will be worth it for them. I wonder what's a worst level of hell. Is it quarterback hell or is it salary cap hell? I think it's quarterback hell because salary cap hell, <laughs> you can kind of massage it. You figure out the cap is constantly going up. Quarterback hell just it it consumes you for all year round because you're either in the offseason searching for one or going through the like, who is it quarterback competition? Who's it going to be? All of that stuff. And then in the regular season, you're just living through these games where you're not competitive. So first priority for every NFL team, if you're in that you know kind of quarterback purgatory is to get out and do whatever it takes to get out. And then you look at a team like Washington, who is trying to get out and they end up with Carson Wentz and you're just like, well, you're, you're still there. Yeah. And they're going <laughs> to be right back in this cycle next year. By the way, I think the Saints are in both. I think the Saints are maybe the one team in salary cap hell and in, in quarterback hell. In terms of the scheduling for this year, this is great. I mean, the NFL is just, it reigns supreme for so many reasons. Now you add this sort of, it seems like in the last couple of years, we get way more trades, way more quarterbacks uh, uh, being unhappy. We're seeing it with Kyler Murray now. Uh, his name has been mentioned potentially in trades. There's landing spots for a whole bunch of quarterbacks and vacancies out there. But when you look at, uh, at the scheduling coming up for this year, 
the AFC West is going to play the NFC West. Russell Wilson is going to get a shot to play Seattle. I believe it's going to be in Seattle this year. But the one I'm looking at is you always get that Super Bowl champion on the uh, the opening night of the NFL. You think we're going to get a Broncos against the Rams like at SoFi Stadium? Is that going to be our week one matchup? Ooh, I hadn't actually thought of that one yet, but that would be good. I'd, I'd sign up for that. I'll, I'll book that flight right now yeah. for that game, especially if Von Miller ends up coming back to Denver. That oh, would that'd be, be great. Fun. I mean, I don't know how realistic that is. I mean, the Broncos have money to spend, but I'm not sure if spending it on a, what, 34-year-old pass rusher would be maybe the best way for a, that they would spend it. But Von Miller is very much enjoying the first being a free agent for the first time in his life. His social media has been a ride over the last few days. And he <laughs> keeps hinting that he wants to come back to Denver now. But I think the Rams would also really like to have him back. But yeah, that would be that would be a fun first game. Um, you know, I think there's could be some fun options. Yeah, you know, look, you could get you could get Chiefs Rams. Well, let's see. Now, I guess the Rams, the Chiefs wouldn't be playing at L.A. Right. Are the Broncos playing at SoFi? I think I saw it would be them on the road at SoFi, yeah. So who is the other? Would it be Chargers, Rams, Raiders, Rams? Chargers, Rams. You could get – I mean, I don't know that they would do Broncos, Seahawks week one. You'd probably want to juice that one up a little bit throughout the season, right? That could be like a Sunday night game week one. You know, they do the big um, Thursday night game, Sunday night game, doubleheader, both keep it on the West Coast. I just think like basically every game that's in the AFC West – the AFC West, NFC West crossover, those games all need to be in prime time. And then every single Mahomes versus Herbert game, every Mahomes versus Wilson game, the Wilson versus Herbert, just put it all. Everything that's on the West Coast, just give it to us all in prime time. And then uh, Al Davis, uh, the ghost of Al Davis saying, don't forget about us. We got a game to play, too. Uh, gotta- <laughs> we got some Josh McDaniels versus the Broncos. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of really good stuff for those of us who enjoy West Coast football. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. One more for you on this topic before I ask you uh, about something else that went down last week. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett coming in. I've always looked at at Russell Wilson as kind of comparatively to Aaron Rodgers, like a similar skill set. Not that he's got as beautiful of a ball, not that he can do the flick of the wrist thing, but the mobility, the ability to extend plays. I don't know that he's as great of an improviser, but he's a smart runner. He's mobile, I guess is what I'm saying. He can move outside of the pocket and can make throws. He's got a great deep ball downfield, one of the best deep balls in the NFL. This, to me, seems like the situation that he had soured on or it's the opposite of the situation he had soured on in Seattle, that he wants to be in a passing-style offense. He wants to play for a guy who's going to open things up. Is that the impression you get? And how well does Nathaniel Hackett fit that, being that he just came over from Green Bay? Yeah, I mean, I think there are a lot of things to like of like why this marriage could make sense. And one of the things that I like about Hackett is that, yes, he did come from Green Bay, but he's not like strictly a product of that system. He's worked a number of places. This is really going to be his first time to be kind of like the dominant play caller where this is really going to be his offense. So, you know, I think they're going to look, I think there's going to be influences from everywhere. Obviously there's a lot of the, the Kyle Shanahan kind of style that, you know, come from LaFleur. There's going to be some of the Rams influence. I think we'll see a lot of different things. You know, I think obviously Russell wants to throw, you know, I think he made that pretty clear that, I think he understands that quarterback legacy and a lot of that stuff is tied to how many times you throw the ball and how many yards you throw for and touchdowns and all that sort of stuff. But I do think the Broncos infrastructure is set up that they can do that, but they also should be able to run the ball really well. Javante Williams was 
awesome as a rookie. I think he's going to have a really, really nice career. We'll be curious to see if they ended up end up bringing back Melvin Gordon, who um, now I think really wants to return because him and Russell Wilson are very <laughs> close. They went to Wisconsin together. So, you know, I think he, now he wants to resign with the Broncos, even if it might be not quite the top of market deal that he got when he signed as a free agent a few years ago. I think there's things that we, sh- we should look at what the Packers did successfully and say this could inform what this offense is going to look like. But I don't think it's going to be a carbon copy. But I think it will give Russell Wilson the chance to do things that he just was never doing in Seattle. I mean, this is the first time that he's going to have an offensive-minded head coach in his life. And I think that'll be good for him. He'll have a little bit of ownership there. Um, He's got decent offensive line, not great. You know, the Broncos have some money to spend. I'd like to see them go out and sign a legit right tackle. The revolving door at right tackle in Denver has been worse even than their quarterback situation if you can believe it I mean it's their their history there is very bad so go get a right tackle and then go ahead and build your offense around Russell Wilson's skill set and see if you can you know find some ways to hide some of his weaknesses as well we have a new tier now it's right tackle hell then it's salary cap hell then it's quarterback hell. Those yeah are, I mean quarterback hell is the worst hell to be in I mean you can yeah. kind of survive right tackle hell but the Bron- but woof I mean I'm so I need to go back and look at all the guys that they signed and because the problem the Broncos have had there is that they've spent a ton of money there they've gone out and sat you know it's the Jawan James type of situation where you give a guy a kind of market setting contract and he plays seven snaps or whatever for you in three seasons it's just not it's it, it just hasn't worked for a lot of reasons from a lot of guys that no good yeah no good uh i want to i want to give some credit here before we get out uh, you were the first person i saw with this information i don't know exactly where it came from or who was the first to have it but i'm going to give you the credit because because uh, i follow you and i read you and you give such great insight across the nfl but calvin ridley last week uh is is basically he's handed a, a one-year suspension sounds like a minimum one-year suspension for gambling on football games while he was on the non football injury list last year he left the team obviously around Halloween and did not return was dealing with mental health issues but you broke the news that he people immediately hear okay he gambled on football what did he gamble on did he gamble on his own team were there parlays involved how much money was involved how did he get caught and you were the one who I saw had this stuff Lindsay tell us how this unfolded and and where where this information comes from sure yeah I mean so that was obviously it feels like 18 years ago that that news came out right so much so much stuff has happened I'm sure Calvin Ridley I mean Calvin Ridley Ridley should probably thank you know uh, send Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers like a gift basket to take Carson Wentz yeah yeah, sure I mean he's out of the news cycle now but yeah I mean you see you know the the NFL announces it they send out a a, a press release basically that says you know a statement he's been suspended you know an indefinite you know a minimum of one year you know kind of some vague stuff it happened in November but immediately the questions are Okay, well, what was he betting on? How was he doing it? And then how did he got, get caught? So I just started calling people that I know who would know about the investigation, right? Who were who had more information and more details. Yeah, I mean, so basically what happened is that he was using a sports betting app, just like, you know, they're legal in so many places now, right? Um, it was a sports betting app in the state of Florida. He made a bunch of parlays, a three-team, a five-team, and an eight-team parlay. And it all came during a five-day span that included one NFL Sunday. And I was told that in each of those parlays, he bet on the Falcons to win. The Falcons were playing the Jags that week. I believe they were a one and a half point favorite. And they did end up winning that game and they covered. So I don't know what happened to his ultimate parlays. I don't know what his other seven or four or two teams were, if he made any money off of these. But yeah, it was basically, okay, one, did he actually bet on his own team? And then how did he get caught? Right. And because, 
you know, unless he was like walking around a casino, like flashing cash and on social media, like you'd have to wonder, okay, how does this work? So the sports book apps um, and the people who run those, there's kind of some checks and balances set up to prevent active NFL players or team employees from from betting. They can't just like use their own accounts or whatever. And the, so there was some irregularity. It was flagged. It goes to this company called Genius Sports, which is the NFL's, I think they call it their integrity partner. They handle all the the data, the stuff that goes from next gen stats to the sports books, all of those sorts of things. And they handle any sort of improprieties or irregularities. And it got reported. And that's how the NFL found out. So they have these checks and balances in place to make sure that players aren't betting. And uh, I'm trying to figure out if he was like a very inexperienced gambler and he was just kind of doing this for fun and didn't know what he was doing necessarily. Or I just can't exactly figure it out because it, it was just a lot of really poor decisions, right? This is pretty explicitly outlawed and he did it anyways. We'll have to wait for the uh, like the outside the lines or the Bob Lee, the Jeremy Schapp. Somebody, somebody will get a sit down with him or break, break this down and get some more information, right? He's told us how he's feeling. He tweeted through the whole thing, which was stunning because I, you know, I I heard that the NFLPA did not know that this was coming, so they had not been involved in kind of the process, right? I mean, he had he has the right to appeal. I think he had three days to file an appeal, but he was tweeting through it saying, I did it. I know I messed up. And it's like, I was texting with some people at the PA who are like, well, like, your if you're sitting there yeah. saying I did it, like, what are you, how are you going to appeal it? Um, he's, and he's kind of like, I think he even said, I, I did it. LOL. I just got a year. So doesn't seem like a guy who feels like he did anything wrong, thing wrong or regrets it or is all that eager to come back and play in 2022. Yeah, it's uh, it's something that is certainly across sports and maybe the NFL specifically, but we'll see what happens with, with more and more states uh, legalizing this stuff. The in-seat betting and, and the easily accessible gambling from, from your phone uh, is definitely going to be a factor that I think a lot of leagues are going to have to focus on. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. Like, you look, the NFL is making a ton of money, and now players are making money off of this, too, because it's been written into the new CBA that revenues that come from sports betting are going to go to the players and the league as well, but those are going to be split. But it does seem pretty clear that if you are an active NFL player or even on injured reserve or a reserve list like Calvin Ridley was, you just can't bet on NFL games. You just you just can't do it. And, you know, I know there's been a lot of stuff out there this week about or last week about, oh, the NFL is so hypocritical now about telling players they can't bet. You just can't bet on. You can't do it because then we, we question what's real. You know, we're not watching pro wrestling. You can't take away what the meaning of, the, you know, the, the integrity of the game is that the game is being played and we don't know the outcome. If there are people changing the outcomes, that to me is, and, and again, off-field stuff is is absolutely terrible and people are, are calling up old suspensions from players. And it's just, to me, it's apples and oranges. This is, is a much different offense. The NFL's disciplinary process for a lot of things deserves a lot of scrutiny. But yeah, it's it's not apples to oranges. The one thing now that I'm watching really closely is that this is what the punishment is for Calvin Ridley, a player who was on reserve lists for doing some mobile betting. What's going to happen with Stephen Ross and the allegations of him offering money for tampering or for tanking? That's really, really serious, you know, actually impacting the integrity of games. And this is from a team owner who also, I believe, has some betting, sports betting investments. So that is the next kind of ripple effect of this, I think, to watch. 
Lindsay, uh, fun wide-ranging conversation. I uh, can't wait for, for the schedule to come out. We'll see exactly when these primetime games will be, and the AFC West is certainly going to be a fun one, and the AFC West versus the NFC West is going to be a lot of fun. I'm just excited to be able to cover relevant games in Denver for the first time in a long time where I <laughs> right. can just drive a few hours or a few miles down the road instead of having to hop on planes to cover meaningful games. Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, we'll catch up with you maybe sometime after the draft and after free agency settles down. Thanks so much, Lindsay. Sounds good. Talk to you later. Great stuff from Lindsay. Always a fun, wide-ranging, funny conversation with her. She does such a great job covering the NFL for The Athletic. Uh, if you want to follow her, at Lindsay H. Jones on Twitter. That's where you can check her out, and she's been all over this Broncos situation, being that she is based out of Denver. Thank you to Lindsay. Thank you to Brian Smith, my producer. And thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is that you're listening. We'll keep bringing you the best stories in Bay Area sports. And you know what that means? Major League Baseball. The San Francisco Giants and the Oakland A's will return to action as baseball lifted the lockout last week. Spring training underway, and we've got games as early as this weekend. All exciting stuff as the free agent frenzy continues. We'll have a conversation about the San Francisco Giants and where they can go with some of those vacant roster spots later this this week. All that to come in the days and weeks ahead. Until Wednesday, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you then.